You could be full of knowledge, but if you try to flex that in a weird way to somebody else, they might actually take that in the wrong way and it's going to go over their head and you don't connect. This is Oversharing with Mikhail Alphonse. I'm so excited today to be sitting here in Blue Light Media's offices. And to even say that we are sitting in Blue Light Media's offices is being such an incredible journey. I am here today, everybody, with Mikhail Alphon, and he has the most incredibly inspiring story to share. And what I love in particular about Mikhail's story is that it's really only just beginning. Now, if you follow Mikhail on Instagram, you know that every single day. He is just dropping so much incredible knowledge, giving you the motivation you need to do the things it is that you want to do. But more than that, Mikhail really exemplifies what it's like to really have built a design thinking mindset over the years. And I think today when you hear from him, you are going to be able to really get an inside glimpse into what that journey is like and really just the hard work, patience, and perseverance it takes to get there. So one of my favorite Instagram posts from Mikhail is that adversity is part of the blessing. And if you've been a listener of the podcast, you know that a lot of people on here have shared what adversity has meant to them, but how they've also overcome it. So Mikhail, welcome to the show. <laughs> Not going to lie, I'm blown away. I don't think you have that written down. So... Thank you for saying all that. That was amazing. And thank you for having me here. Well, of course, I don't have that written down. I mean, one of the best parts I think about (laughs) this conversation today is that, you know, we have seen each other grow Mm -hmm. over the years and we have really seen our dreams turn into reality. And like I said, many of them, which are really just beginning. So I would love for you to share because, you know, you have been through so much adversity. And I think that's really one of the things that brought us together and really allowed us to kind of bond and connect over, you know, how you overcome those. So I'd love if you could share a little bit about your journey and some of those adversities that you overcame to get to where you are. Sure. How long is your podcast? I know. (laughs) (laughs) No, but it's fine. I mean, take your time. I think there, there is so much to be learned from each of those different steps that you had to take. So yeah, start us off with how you want to share that story. When I was 18 years old, uh, just graduating high school for one, I like, I'm pretty sure I barely graduated high school and I don't know if they like push you through that. And it's not because I'm not a smart person. I actually believe I'm a pretty smart person, but I wasn't good at school and studying and test taking. And I was being graded on like, if my binder was organized. Isn't that crazy? Do you remember doing that? Absolutely. I mean, I dropped out at, well, I didn't, I didn't drop out. I took the exit exam at 16 years old and oh. left for pretty much the same reason. So yeah. yes, I absolutely understand. It's ridiculous that that's the case, but I went straight into nursing school by guidance of my, of my dad. It wasn't like an RN program. It was an LVN program. And I think in other parts of the United States, it's LPN. So it's a licensed vocational nurse, which is essentially just a license to do nursing. You're basically med passing, doing some basic treatments, so on and so forth. As I started in that career, about three, I want to say it was about three years into it. And as I grow a little bit older, the timelines get a little bit more blurry, but my identity was being used to embezzle money. It was being used to say that I was working for home health agencies and nursing agencies that I wasn't actually working for. And as a result of that, my nursing license was stripped. I was 21, 22 around that time. I didn't know what to do when I got served from the state 
because I'd never gotten a lawsuit before. I remember coming home and my apartment was turned upside down. Everything was pulled out of its drawers. They were looking for evidence of this stuff. I went over to my parents' house and the tactical team was there with my family in handcuffs and what I, it was it was crazy at that time. I didn't know what to do. Didn't really have any guidance in that spot. I ended up losing my nursing license and I went in to play poker full time. And between my nursing license and playing poker and during playing poker, my dad wasn't around. My mom and I were, you know, we didn't have any money. We just, you know, we're going through these lawsuits. We're getting sued. My dad's in prison. Like, it was crazy. And, you know, we were just in a place where we had to have the master bedroom upstairs rented out by a family. So there was like a woman up there living with her two or three kids at the time. We were selling jewelry to make rent. And I'll never forget the day that my mom gathered all her gold because cash for gold was big around like around this time. And she was like really praying for like $500. And then when we cashed it in, she got like 1100 And she like almost cried because it was such a blessing to her to get that. And it was crazy for me to see that too. And as I'm playing poker, I'm also running home games around Orange County. That's how I made my living, how I made ends meet, helped out my mom, how I paid for my own food because I didn't want my mom paying for my food or like laundry detergent or anything like that. So I did what I could to help out. And I had a great mentor at the time. I actually talked to him this morning to say thank you for this, which was interesting for that time in my life because he taught me to be a man. I had never knew how to paint a bathroom. He taught me how to paint a bathroom. He told me how to like manage my emotions. That was probably one of the most pivotal times of my life. But it got to a point where I was playing so much and just being in the scene of like gambling in Vegas and like late nights and alcohol and drugs and whatever it was that he stopped me one day and he said, look, I don't like the life that you're living and you can either go back to school and I'll help pay for it or you can get a job. Well, I'll get a job. <laughs> I already knew I was bad at school. So I started working for this telemarketing, it was a telemarketing company essentially, but it was like a lo local SEO thing. And if you've ever seen the room, the movie Boiler Room, this is legitimately my life at this point. I learned how to sell. And I learned how to sell over the phone. And within 20 minutes of a phone call, I was able to sell deals that ranged anywhere from $200 a month to $2,000 for the year. And I would have to get them on the phone and close them on the spot. And the idea of being able to sell a product that is not tangible, they weren't going to get a vacuum shipped to them. They were going to get local SEO services. So they would be on the first top places on, on Google, right? To be able to do that is really interesting. You're using your words. I learned from poker just different cues and understanding timing and when to ask for the sale. Skill was very important to me. I transitioned to another company that was doing the exact same thing, but I was able to watch that company go from... 11 people when I started to over 100 people when I ended up getting fired. And I got fired because I started my first company, which was 712 Marketing, social media marketing company. They saw it as a conflict of interest, so they fired me. So I then had to start my company with a business partner, or I got to start my company with a business partner, but we had zero monies. You know, we had a credit line, which is fine, but I had like I had $1,100 maybe, and I had to make rent that month and all of this. And it was literally from those first deals that I was selling. And this was in December of 2014. I was also going through a lawsuit at the time because because of the conflict of interest, I was served with that lawsuit. Did the company you were working for served you with a lawsuit? Yeah. So that first year in my business, zero money and a lawsuit that dragged out for about 18 months. That was pretty difficult 
only because my relationship with my business partner at the time became strained. I had already gone through this with my family. So it was like, I know how to navigate through this. You kind of just keep working and the rest will like figure itself out almost like it's up to the attorneys and whatever else happens over there. The lawsuit finally gets dropped in 2018 and fast forward maybe about a year or so. And um, we're, we're arriving at about 2017 at that time. There was so much conflict between my business partner and I at the time that we ended up splitting ways. And he was my oldest friend of 18 years. And I remember that because that's about the time that we met. That's around. So I had met yeah. you right when you had started 712. Mm -hmm. And yeah. Yeah. So we ended up having to part ways. Luckily, because I built a brand, because I was very involved with my team, because I was very involved with my clients, I was blessed enough that they decided to stay with me, the team and the clients. Now we're almost three years removed from that. And we have this almost beautiful office. <laughs> I say almost because the carpet is disgusting. And for those who are here, this is a gorgeous, not just an office, this is a two-story like building yeah. almost, like yeah. with ton with a different space and a different room for all mm. these different things. And I just enjoyed the tour so much because the first time I came in, it was like one small room. Yeah, you know, that's true. It, it was, was it was small one room. small room and you were doing everything in that one small room. And now here you are with like two stories. Yeah, now we're now we're slowly taking over the the building, which is... And then the world. <laughs> hopefully the world. And that, honestly, just like looking back at it, and we took a moment to, before we started recording today, to, just to talk about this and like what we're going to be talking about. It's like, wow, let's take a moment and just like think about, you know, what we went through to get here today. Absolutely. It's well, nuts. <laughs> yeah, I know. I mean, when I was driving over here, I was thinking about that as well. And like, I tell you this like all the time, because I always, I think back to this memory like often. One of the things that I always remember in particular about our conversations early on, especially when we met in 2017, was I was going through such a difficult time then as well. So many different transitions, personal, professional, so many. And you said 2017 is going to be your year. Mm. It's been crazy to see the things that have happened. Yeah. And so, and one of the things that always struck me about you is, you know, a lot of times when we go on to start new ventures and new projects, it's not unusual, I think, for people wanting to lean on someone else. Mm -hmm. And I remember thinking that that conflict with your business partner really allowed you to come into your own. Given that you went through those different personal experiences, it had to have taken a toll on your self-esteem. Mm -hmm. Right. Like yeah. it, it had to have like taken those things take a toll on your confidence. And one of the reasons I really, you know, am such a big advocate for the design thinking mindset is I think so many of us grow up in that way. Yeah. Right. I think so many people grow up through different challenges, different adversities. You know, even if you come from the most stable of environments, there's just everybody has something different that they go through. But being able to reframe that in your mind using those design thinking principles can be a complete game changer. And so one of your other Instagram quotes that I really like is what you get from life starts with what you believe you're worthy of. Mm. What did that transition look like for you? Like at what point did you get the confidence to just be able to say, I'm just going to go off and start my own and lead <laughs> um, a team as well. Like I'm not just doing this by myself. Like I'm doing this and I'm also taking a team of people with me, which just requires, I mean, that's such a huge amount of responsibility. June of 2017 was about that time. I remember talking through with my uncle about the challenges that I was dealing with with my business partner at the time. I remember saying like, ah, oh, man, I don't know anything about accounting or finance or any of these things. And he just replies to me, don't let a lack of knowledge be your barrier to success. The second he said that, I was like, you're right. And it was interesting because in that time frame between about June and honestly, I believe about December of that year, if not more, 
there was times where I was feeling so much, I don't really like saying the word anxiety, but feeling so much anxiety that I physically could not work out. Like I couldn't lift like 10 pound weights. I got hives, like all of these things. It was really nuts. I was really into, this is when I started getting into like the personal development thing, like 2016, 2017 was around then, maybe 2015 as well. I can't really remember now, but you know, Tony Robbins, Gary Vaynerchuk, Eric Thomas, all of these people. It was, it was their messages that really, that really resonated with me. I have a lot of faith, like, you know, I, I believe in God and all of these things and the inspiration of my mom and my, and my uncle just always reminded me to believe more of myself and believe that I'm worthy of these things. I feel like so many people hate on those motivational messages mm -hmm. and so many people see them as fluff and just things that are just put out there by everyone's putting it out there. And you hear a lot of commentary around that. And it would be great to know, like, what in particular was it about those messages that resonated with you? Accountability was the number one thing. I can't remember the exact quote, but it's something along the lines of the circumstance that you're in right now is a direct result of all of the decisions that you've made in my life, in your life. I decided to go with what my dad said for education, even though I wanted to be a hairstylist at the time. I wanted to be a doctor. I wanted to be a teacher. And I went to LVN school, which wasn't my first choice. That was not. I took his advice, and maybe that led me down a certain path. I decided that instead of going back to school, that I would play poker, which got me into some messes and whatever. That was my, that was my thing. I decided to not communicate with the CEO of my company at that time that I wanted to start a social media marketing company that I did not view as competition to what he was doing. That caused me to get fired. You know what I mean? I decided to, at the time, not invest more time with my business partner to understand where he was at or make that decision in the beginning to not go 50-50 to, you know, all of these little things. All of those things and this exact circumstance that I was in was because of those decisions that I've made. Nobody else made those decisions for me. Nobody held a gun to my head, you know, anything like that. And that was really the biggest thing. And to this day, that's the, like, if I could just post that every single day, that's what I would do. Because that's all, that's really what it comes down to. The decisions you make are going to shape where you go. And what changed about how you made decisions? I think they change all the time, but the number one thing that has changed is I really do think about the people around me and what it's going to do in the future, not what's good for the moment. I don't do that all the time. Let's be honest. <laughs> you know what I mean? But when I'm, when I am making a big decision, I need to understand how is this going to impact my future personally in the business? How is it going to impact my team? And honestly, if there is three or four people watching on Instagram, how's it going to impact them? You know what I mean? Like even something as little as like, you know, I like, I go out and have a couple drinks or whatever it is. I don't really put that, like I'll put cheers sometimes, but not like me partying and going weird. That's not, that's not what I want to inspire. That's not what I want to like, sh it's not that I don't want to show that to people. Cause if everybody hung out with me, they'd know that. But if there's that person that doesn't have the opportunity to understand context and they just see that 15 second clip, that's not what I want to inspire into people. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, no. And I love that. And one of the things that I think was you know, it's funny you say that because anytime I sit down to record a video, I used to always be like so nervous and, you know, it's so formal. Mm -hmm. And one of the things that I remember really, really, really shifted for me was talking to one person. 
Mm-hmm. If mm-hmm. I'm just t- I'm just talking to one person, and I would imagine that student or just that it mostly students, but like I would imagine if I was talking to that one student, or if I was talking to my class, how would I be? What would I be saying? And then it just rolls so naturally. Right. <laughs> okay, so I did interrupt you a little bit. We were talking a little bit about how you came to believe you were worthy of something. And speaking of decisions. You posted recently, and I think you also sent it out in your email newsletter, which by the way, if you don't subscribe to, you know, and I'll say this so honestly, for most of the subscriptions that come through my mailbox, it's delete, 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 delete. And there's two that I absolutely love. One is the Gottmans. Um, they send this, like, the messages are so great. They're all about relationships. Um, and the other is yours. Like, I actually look forward to Monday mornings with yeah. Mikhail yeah. because they are just such great, really practical pieces of advice. But one of the stories you shared recently was around a decision you made, and that was the decision that you felt like you always had to buy other people lunch. Mm. <laughs> Tell us that. I think it will perfectly help us be able to talk about, like, how you felt you became worthy of what you deserve. This is really interesting because it stems back to my relationship with my dad, which I figured out two years ago. I talked to somebody and he like, that was like my breakthrough moment. Whenever my dad gifted me with something, immediately after he'd hold hold it over my head. So I remember one specifically, he gave me a leather basketball. I, I used to think I was going to be a basketball player. A leather basketball is beautiful. Something I always wanted. He gave it to me and then he said, now go clean your room. Instead of go clean your room and then giving it, giving it to me, which was kind of big. And then there was another instance where he used to smoke cigarettes. He wanted me, this was actually the big one, actually. He used to smoke cigarettes. He didn't have any money at the time for whatever reason. And I had a jar of change. And I told him that I would give him the jar of change. And he said, if, he did, if I did that, then he would get me Star Wars, limited edition. It was in a gold box, the whole thing on VHS. And then in one moment, I was like, you know what? I don't want to give you that because I don't want you to smoke. And he was so like nicotine deprived maybe that he looked at me and said, you're a snake. That's what he said. <laughs> Fuck. And honestly, that messed with me for a long time. And I think even till today. So fast forward 20 years or 25 years, however long it's been, I always felt that I had to give something to someone for them to love me um, in the form of gifts. And so whenever I went out to lunch or dinner or whatever it is, I would insist on paying even when it was unreasonable for me to pay, I would insist on paying because I felt like I needed to give you something for you to like me because I was desperate for that love from my dad at the time. I've slowly had to shift that. You know, the love of my grandma, my uncle, my, you know, Alexa, who's going to be my wife in a couple of weeks, which is crazy, like really And helps. we're going to talk about her in a moment because yeah. she is just so, so, so incredible. And there's one particular story that I want to be able to talk about when we talk about her. But yeah, no, go ahead, finish. I, I actively started having to work on that. I had to work on the fact that I didn't need to give somebody anything for them to love me because I was a good enough person. Paying for me was actually more, was vulnerability. Me paying for them, that, that doesn't take anything. They don't have to see my bank account, whatever. Like I get to be strong in that moment. To feel real love, you have to be able to be vulnerable in that moment. So a small thing like allowing somebody to pay for lunch and saying thank you for that gift of that time. And if it's $20 or $200, depending on where you eat, it's a sign of love and it's a sign of affection. Even if it's not that, but it's allowing you to be loved. It's allowing, it was me allowing myself to be loved by someone else. And repeatedly doing something like that I barely even argue now. You know what I mean? And it's like, you're right. I do deserve this. I did in one way bring value to your life or something like that. Not that like, oh, you owe me because I brought you value. But it's like, no, this is, this is how you're showing me that you love me. And I'll keep doing like me. 
and it takes practice and it's still difficult. Like if you were to give me a gift today, like it would be difficult for me to accept that and not want to be like, oh, well, here's this book, you know what I mean? To like instantly reciprocate that. Receiving a gift and accepting that gift and being thankful for that gift is one of the biggest ways that I started learning to love myself a little bit more. And that's, I mean, that's that's so powerful for so many reasons. And I think one of the things that's really coming through is just how reflective you are on those different adversities. And I think I, I think that's really important because I think to get to a place where you can appreciate and actually be grateful in a really, like it sounds so twisted to be grateful for those adversities. Mm-hmm. And they're obviously things that you would never wish on anyone else. I mean, I think back to mine and I'm just like, I, I, don't, I know for a fact I would not be where I am if I didn't have those experiences. And so if you can get to a place where you are that excited about your adversities it completely changes the game. What do you think allowed you to become grateful for your adversities, to be that reflective? Because I know you have a lot of practices that you implement mm. on a daily basis that mm-hmm. he also shares in his newsletter. <laughs> um, but yeah, you have a lot of really incredible daily practices. I mean, it, it, did that play a role? Like what, what allowed you to appreciate those adversities? Well, now I appreciate adversities because I know that adversity is really that glass ceiling that you're going to break through. And when you get to that next level, like you know that it's there because you're getting leveled up. Every time you feel like the world is collapsing on you, that's the universe preparing you for something greater than where you are at that moment. I truly believe that. And it's happened every single time. So now I know that that's, I appreciate it. I appreciate the challenges that I'm getting. In the past, I'll be honest, I didn't appreciate it. Like it right. sucked. <laughs> no, and, and I think that's how it is for most people. Mm-hmm. So if you had to give advice and if you had to say, you know, if you're in that spot right now where you're maybe not able to appreciate those adversities or you just haven't taken the time to reflect on them, what are some practices you have that you feel allow you to do that now? It's daily priming. So for the last three years, I've- What do you been, mean by daily priming? Mm-hmm. Ooh, I, that, that, I've never heard that word before <laughs> and I like it. Daily priming, yeah, what does that mean? I, I don't think I can take credit for it. I'm sure it was like, Tony Robbins or something like that. Um, But every single morning I have non-negotiables, things that need to happen before my day actually starts. I do like to get up early, which wasn't always the case, but I do like to get up early. It starts with even something as little as three minutes of like breath work and meditation. And when I say meditation, it's not like, um, but it's, it's connecting the brain with your mind, with your body. So I'll like go through and I'll take a deep breath deep breath in, deep breath out, and I'll feel different parts of my body. And to the listener right now, I challenge you to put your hands on your knees and instead of feeling through your hands, feel through your knees. And it's crazy what that does to your head and you're really focused on where you are in that moment. I, I don't know if that makes sense, but it's like that connection, feel it through your legs. To I your, try it tomorrow? Yeah, it's crazy. So something like that. And then I go into a five-minute journal, which is exactly what it is, a five-minute journal, which goes through three things that you're very grateful for. Three things that, three intentions that will make the day great, and one daily affirmation to yourself. So I legitimately talk to myself. And then I actually read world news. And then after that, I'll go work out for an hour. This is all before looking at my phone. People don't believe me. Well, I mean, I turn off my alarm and sometimes I read the news through my phone. But when I say phone, I mean social media. And then I go to work out and my warm up, I'm doing an affirmation to myself. So I'm going through those things that I'm very grateful for again. And then I'll go through what I need, like some overarching goals that I have and the things that I need to do this day to get those done. So that's the big goals and then little tasks to get it done. And then once I go through that, I repeat to myself out loud, 
<laughs> I repeat to myself out loud, I am the leader of a million dollar company that's bringing out the best in the people that I work with, each other, and our partners. I am successful because I work hard, I am blessed, and something else. Now it's like, for whatever reason, like in this moment, it's kind of weird. Oh, and something along the lines of, uh, I attract wealth to those to the people around me, that type of thing. And wealth and knowledge, experience, and finance. And you truly do. Yeah, <laughs> I, I like to think so. I am blessed because I work hard, I'm a fighter, that type of thing. So it goes in order when I'm doing it to myself, but now I'm nervous. So, uh, But anyways, I repeat that to myself for like good 10 minutes, to be honest, like every single morning. And you have a hashtag for that. Earn your sunrise. Earn your sunrise. <laughs> and I love that because one of the things I think every morning, so I definitely do not have as disciplined a routine as you do. Again, your posts are ones that I look forward to every morning. But one of the things that I really like about the idea of hashtag earn your sunrise is that each day is such a blessing. Mm -hmm. You know, you could be one of the people that doesn't have that next day. Yeah. And so what are you going to do with it? I think every single morning being able to wake up with that, okay, what am I going to give back? What am I going to contribute to the world? Mm. Like, what am I going to contribute to myself and those around me? Like you said, is such a powerful concept. A hundred percent. And it's crazy because I, I feel like a lot of people get up in the morning and then they just kind of get to their day. So earning your sunrise doesn't like this morning I was like, like sledgehammering a tire. That's not what it's about, but it's about setting intentions for the day. It's about, you know, taking time for yourself. Sometimes work is just the work that you're doing on yourself. And that's the hardest, hardest type of work there is. I have mine and people are going to do it in a different way, but I encourage anybody to wake up an hour earlier than they usually do and do something for yourself that doesn't involve your phone. Coffee, watch the sunrise. Uh, don't like no TV or anything like that. You know what I mean? Read five pages in a book, whatever it might be. But um, that type of thing, it's been game changing. There's a book by Jocko Willink called Discipline Equals Freedom. And I didn't know what that meant until I implemented that regimen into my life. And now it's like, you know, I get into every day and I'm able to give a better version of myself because of the things that I do before I actually walk into these doors or interact with anybody. So it's important. Yeah, no, I love that. And, and we had talked about that, the importance of building that personal development. You know, I remember I came in and I was like, you know, let's talk about how your professional like relationships and your professional life have made you stronger personally. But you were the one who said that, no, it's the other way around. It's really that self-growth, that reflection and that personal development that's allowed you to thrive just so much in your, you know, professional life. And so, you know, as we make the transition from personal to professional, I want to take a moment to talk about Alexa uh -huh. because <laughs> I have just seen what an incredible compliment you two have been to each other. She's incredibly independent. She's mm. creative. She's so funny. She's so, so, yeah, so dude. funny. <laughs> and she just has such a fantastic personality. Like, I mean, and we haven't even hung out that many times and I'm just like, I, I just love her. And you're getting married. Yes, I am. <laughs> next month. Next month in... Or 20, 30 days. It's going to be such yeah, a fantastic celebration. What is up, you lovely listeners? Sorry to interrupt the episode, but I did want to give a quick shout out to our sponsor, MikeMe.com. MikeMe has helped this podcast sound incredible over the last year and a half, and I put out every single episode with 100% confidence that it's going to sound amazing and it's going to be absolutely legit. Not to mention, having them work on my show has helped save an incredible amount of time and headache for me. So it's been one of the best investments that I've made in a very, very long time. If you have a podcast or you're looking to start 
are your own, be sure to go to micme.com forward slash oversharing. Again, that's micme.com, M-I-C-M-E.com forward slash oversharing. And you'll get an episode edited for free when you purchase one of their podcast bundles. This is an incredible service. You're absolutely going to love it and you're going to love the team. But before I speak too much, let's get back to the episode. You told me a story once, and I think this is so important when you think about the kinds of people you want to be around, because we'll talk about that. And clearly, you've made a huge transition in the kinds of people you surround yourself with. But I remember there was a story about you guys had planned a vacation. You had to cancel at the last minute. (laughs) And she had just the most mind-blowing response. And I was just like, wow, you are so lucky to have her. Mm -hmm. You are so lucky to have her. And so tell us about that story. Man, so as a preface— Alexa inspired me to work harder when I met her because I was putting in a good maybe 10 hours a day. And then I saw that she was working till 10 o'clock at night, 11 o'clock at night. I was like, I can't let this woman outwork me. (laughs) (laughs) Slight competitiveness. But that story, um, you know, one of the things that that makes our relationship successful is she is confident and, and perfect and she feels whole. By herself. And so effortlessly too. And effortlessly. Like if I looked mm-hmm. at her, like she does not look like somebody that works like that much. Like even though you know she does because you can tell how hardworking she is, but she's just, it's just so effortless. Like, I mean, it, it's incredible. Yeah, absolutely. And I had been in a relationship. I had been in a relationship before I met her for about a year where the girl didn't tell me that she loved me or missed me. She did once or twice in over a year, but, uh, and I receive love verbally. You know what I mean? That's my biggest thing. So anyways, it took a lot of work there to become whole with myself. So that's what makes it successful. But the story that you're talking about, we were planning for about three months to go to a wedding in Colima where her family's from. Her whole family was going to be there. Her mom, her dad, this is where her dad is from. If I'm not mistaken, one of her parents are from, is from Colima. And we were planning this. Tickets bought the whole thing. The place is you know, squared away, all these things. And literally the day before that we're supposed to leave, get notification that two clients that I was really trying to book had an availability for an opening. And at the time, like, you know, we had about a three-month projection on the business and it, you know, it wasn't going to be good in three months if I didn't, you know, if I didn't come through on the on those uh, on those clients. I told her the day before, I was like, I I have to, I can't go. And she's like, why? I was like, and I told her this circumstance. I was like, these clients need to be here. I need to be there for these two clients and these two meetings. I can't have anybody else take them. And honestly, she just said, okay, handle it. And that was it. And this is before you guys were engaged. This was before we were engaged, but when I knew I had to marry her. Yeah. No, no, absolutely. (laughs) But I wanted to show like her level of commitment. Like that's a really Mm -hmm. big deal. Like Mm -hmm. I, I just admired her so much for that. Yeah. I respect her hustle. She respects mine. And we know that that's one of the reasons why we love each other. And that that was the conversation that we had. Mm-hmm. I remember you telling me that. And then you had told me, like, don't tell anyone, but I'm going to marry her. And this <laughs> and this and this and this. And that was the, that was the conversation we had yeah. about. It was about respect. It, that's what it is. It was respect. Like, even the other night, I was here till 1130. And she had texted me. She's like, what time are you going to be home? And I said, I think about 1130 or midnight. And she's like, her response is, do you need me to prepare food? Like, what? Like, not what are you doing? Who are you with? Or the pseudo, like, care about you where it's like, you can't work that much, which is never, like, really care. This is usually coming out of uh, selfishness, I think. But that's just her response. She just wants to take care of me. But likewise, you know what I mean? I, I try to do the same things for her 
my biggest challenge right now is one helping her with planning the wedding because she's done that. But the other one is like laundry. And I know that sounds silly, but she hates laundry. I hate laundry, but I know that if I do the laundry and I put it away and I fold it, like that means a lot to her. And it was taking something off her plate and it's those little things. Do you listen to J. Cole? No, I don't. <sighs> but a, it's kind of like the Gottmans though as well. It's like the small things yeah, it's daily. The small yeah. things, man. There's a there's a song. Tell by us about J. J. Cole. J. Cole's a he's a he's a rapper, he's a hip hop artist, but he's cerebral. He's not like the, you know, he's not like the in the club type of rappers. But he has a song that just that just repeats like I just want to fold clothes for you. And it's like, <laughs> and it's, it's just so true. Like that's the thing that everybody hates to do. And I know that she enjoys that. And then time with her family, that means a lot to her. And, and it's made me appreciate that a lot more. So you got to just come through on those little things. I know. I love that. And yeah. I, so, so tell us a little bit then about that transition. So like, you know, you talked about how your relationship with her really allowed you to work harder. But one of the things or one of the Instagram quotes that you have that I like is that hanging around people with ambitions and goals can seriously improve your life. Yeah. That's probably the n- number one game changer ever. Think about it like this. If you're going to a gym class at five o'clock in the morning and everybody's working out, trying to improve themselves and whatever, you're probably around some pretty motivated people. It's not normal to want to get up that early. And if you befriend those same people, you'll notice that they're probably high-performing people, whether it's in their families, like their mothers trying to make it happen for their, for their kids or their... I, dad who's like an entrepreneur and also doing these things like not that those are gender specific roles but these are the type of people that are up at five in the morning doing that and over the course of the last three or four years I've noticed that who I spend my time with really impacts how I work as a person too because if I can sit with you Saba and then you're like hustling on you know your dissertation or whatever it is I'm not going to ask you if you want to get a drink I'm not going to you know I might say do you want to like uber eat some dessert and like that's basically it but like I'm not going to ask you if you want to get a drink. I need to work too. If I'm going to get up at five o'clock in the morning to go to the gym, you're not going to ask me to go to sleep or to go like drink until two o'clock in the morning. You know, you, you, you're going to want to probably do those same things. But in addition to that, those people around you are also going to inspire you with their ideas and their goals. And you're going to learn from them what their hustle looks like and what their grind looks like. And you can model after those things. It's the same old say, it's the same old thing of like, you're the, you're the product of the five closest people to you or whatever that is. It's absolutely 100% true. And today my best friends are people that are building businesses that are passionate about their health that, you know, work 14 hours a day and love it, but also are passionate about their relationships. You know what I mean? And I am a firm, firm believer that loyalty does not come from time. It comes from common interests and goals. That's what it is. Because if you and I are fighting for the same thing, then we're going to support each other no matter what that looks like. Absolutely. And, you know, one of the driving motivations for me in starting this podcast was, you know, people used to always ask me, like, how do you know what you know? Or how are you able to do what you do? And it's such a, it's a really embarrassing question because I don't have some amazing answer. But one of the things that I say is it's just the people that I surround myself Mm. with. And, you know, we don't live in the same part of the state. Well, hopefully we will again soon. But I live in Northern California. You're here in Southern California. And so I want to take this moment to also remind people that doesn't necessarily mean that you have to be in person with somebody, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. But being able to come and hang out with you yesterday, just to like really hit home what you just said about, we don't say, let's go out for a drink or let's 
do this. I mean, yes, we do every once in a while, right? Sure. Like we're totally going to party it up at your wedding. <laughs> <laughs> Not to mention like, you know, like your birthdays and yeah, we've done, we've done that kind of stuff. But yesterday you were telling me about the book that mm. you are about to publish. And we're going to get into the book in just a moment because it's really going to help people, I think, dig deeper into so many of these incredible things you've shared. But my next thing was like, okay, great. Well, let's record a podcast and let's, you know, get this out there to as many people as we can. And that's what that kind of interaction looks like. That's mm-hmm. what that growth looks like. You know, just in even doing the podcast, I learned about a new tool. You're sharing pieces of advice. And that's the kind of thing that people mean when they say, surround yourself with these kinds of people. It mm-hmm. doesn't just mean you've got to go to dinner with somebody or it's got to be something formal. It's, you know, what, what are we organically just going to be working on together? Because, hey, we're just hanging out and that's what we're going to do. Yeah. And so that's a really powerful thing that I think, you know, we, we, we say a lot of things like hang out with these people, but actually helping break down the strategies is something that I think your book is really going mm. to be able to do for a lot of people. So your book is called Digitally Designed and how to create an extraordinary life with social media. And you really, I mean, you're, you're thriving right now <laughs> in what you've been able to create through the relationships that you've built and really through a lot of the hard work that you've put in because of, you know, the tools and platforms that are available. And so tell us a little bit about why the book and what people can expect to find. You know, I got to say, and this is going to be, um, this is going to kind of plays into like who you surround yourself with, right? Um, Nelson, my business partner in Blue Light Media, has been pushing me to write a book for over a year. Really? Yes. And for me, working on myself, I felt like I was not worthy of putting out a book because I didn't have any. I didn't think I had anything to say yet. But I realized that where I am today is something maybe one person aspires to, right? Not that I've achieved anything insane, but like, I don't know, practically, I think it's big. So I wanted to create this book because it's a practical way to use something that we're using every single day, social media. Uh, We're consuming content, we're publishing content, we're connecting with people. So how do we use this tool productively? And how can we use it to shape our lives better when there's so many issues around you know, there's so many issues around like data security. There's issues, you know, people rag on other people because they're putting their dirty laundry on Facebook and only talking about politics. And then you have the FOMO thing on Instagram. And then you have like the rants and the haters on Twitter. Like all of these platforms have their stigmas, right? You and I are a perfect example of this. We would have never met if not for Instagram. Never met. And we were saying also talking yesterday about how we wouldn't have had our last three jobs. Like I wouldn't have had my last three jobs without Mm -hmm. it. Right? A hundred percent. Who you hang out with can also be something more practically in a social media standpoint of like, who are you following? What are they saying? What is the content that you're consuming on a, on a daily basis? You know what I mean? So these things are super important. And that's why I wanted to kind of shift the conversation a little bit and look at social media, not just as a marketing tool, because everybody's doing that. And that's what I built my business on. And also not for a place to like air out their dirty laundry, but a place for people to truly improve their lives. And it's 100% possible through social media. Absolutely. And I love that. And so I actually want to go back to something that you shared a little bit earlier when you were talking about how school didn't really help you. You were 18 years old. You know, you kind of just like, and again, you know, you made that decision to do something because perhaps you didn't have that confidence and those skills that you really needed. But you kind of mentioned your mentor taught you these real life skills, probably that like emotional intelligence, Mm -hmm. right? Like how to talk Mm -hmm. to people, negotiating, all that kind of stuff. Then you also talked about how that first job really helped you, like how poker helped you. If say somebody who is 18 years old, or let's say, you know, in that just, you know, just say somebody who like perhaps is in a more traditional environment. What are some of the things that you think they can do to begin perhaps getting those skills and doing those things to start using social media to design what they want? The first thing that you can do is read. 
You know what I mean? As much as you possibly can. And if you can't read, watch videos of, of people doing great things. And don't pay attention to what they have. Pay attention to the commitment that they have to their craft. Because it's so easy to get caught up in Jay-Z's like $4 million paintings. But what he did to get there is something different. The business deals that he made, the hustle behind his music, and we don't have to talk about what he was doing on the street corners of Brooklyn. <laughs> but you know what I mean? He did what he had to take. So pay attention to people's commitment of that. And in the even more practical sense, unfollow Instagram models, unfollow watch accounts, unfollow you know people that are posting negative things, and start following things that inspire you. If you're inspired by scenery, a nature account. You know what I mean? I, I started doing that. I, I actually posted that yesterday. You know, like follow these things that are actually like, mm, that inspire you and that are like practical and then invoke positive feelings, you know, in your mind and in your heart. You know what I mean? Because there's so many things out there that are going to make you wish you wanted something. But there's so many things, there's so many people publishing content that can really move you forward. Absolutely. And I, I one of the reasons I fight so hard to like, keep all of my accounts and to stay really active. And one of the reasons I think, you know, I put a lot of effort into like, whether it's the podcast, the blog, the whatever is so much of it is my own self-growth, mm -hmm. right? Like, I don't even understand how people learn without these tools, without these resources. And it's so interesting right now being in like a traditional space, um, working on my doctorate um, in like a traditional university setting, just to have seen like how different my experience is being an active participant on these different platforms and what that contributes to the work that I'm doing in a traditional environment versus what it was like before when I was an undergrad and I didn't have exposure to any of that. 100%. And honestly, I still to this day learn from you because one of the things that you said was the best way to uh, create a great community is become part of one. You know what I mean? So find the find the people that are like on Instagram or, or Twitter or whatever it is that are doing the things that you want to do and start engaging in that conversation. It's good for the algorithm anyways. <laughs> but engage in that conversation. People yeah. will respond to DMs. And maybe not everyone, but they'll respond to a DM and to a comment, you know. And most people are open to pick your brain conversation. Don't feel shy about that. If you want to learn from them, if they're a good person, they'll they'll find a way to like help you out in one way or another. Absolutely. I mean, that's a piece of advice that I give to so many people. You know, I, I say it at the end of every single podcast episode that no matter how many followers people have, no matter how much you think people are just like, oh, it's just going to be one more message or like, oh, who am I? You have no idea how much it makes someone's day when you somebody tells them like, hey, I really enjoyed this or this is something that I learned from this episode or, you know, I love how you shared this or, you know, some of the people that I'm most grateful for, the people that will just randomly be like, hey, I just want you to know I'm so proud of you. Mm. You know, like that that keeps me going mm -hmm. because sometimes I'm like putting stuff out there and I'm like, okay, like, why am I doing this? Like, should I even be doing it? Like, who am I? Like, am I even anyone? Like every single person deals with that. And it doesn't really matter where you are, who you are. I think on every single, uh, just a human level, we all feel a little bit of that sort of like insecurity about like, who am I to even be telling anybody anything? Because it's Derek Sivers, I think, who says that, you know, because it's what you do, it's so normal to you, mm -hmm. but to somebody else, it's so novel. Yeah, And so- I, I really encourage everyone to kind of put their thoughts out there and just their ideas and just share what it is that you think is boring and normal to you. Just create and publish. Absolutely. All the time. Don't overthink it. Don't over edit it. Because at the end of the day, that first draft is who you are. 
You know what I mean? And that's what people are going to resonate with the most. I'm notorious for typos in all my stuff. I've, you, there's sometimes where I like, I literally, I do take it down, but only because it's like, dude, like the message doesn't even make sense. You know what I mean? So, but if it's just a typo and the message still makes sense, I'll keep it. I don't really care. I, I just don't want to confuse people as the thing. But like that first draft of you is so important. You know what I mean? And that first draft gets better and better and better when you get used to just putting it out, putting it out, putting it out all the time. And that's such an important thing to do and understanding that people will connect with you. And to your point, you never know who you're inspiring. You know what I mean? You never know who you're going to connect with. You could still love the first edition of Star Wars, or not Star Wars, but like Power Rangers. And you're going to find somebody that is interested in those same things as you. Just got to put it out. It's not weird. It's cool. I completely agree. So, so tell us, when is the book coming out? It uh, should be out in July. Nice. Yeah. Fantastic. I'm so excited. So looking forward to it. Is there anything you'd like to share that I haven't already asked or we haven't talked about? So there are two things. One, with the social media thing and reaching out to people. When I was leaving my, my business partner uh, in 2017, I emailed Gary Vaynerchuk and I told him my story. And I was just like, this is what's happening. I'm about to leave my business partner and I'm scared shitless, but I'm taking your advice and I'm ditching the people that, you know, I'm ditching negativity for positivity. And he replied and he just really? said, good luck. Yeah, I still have it. And he's like, he just said, good luck. And that little thing gave me a little bit more confidence, to be honest. I decided, I didn't think who am I, whatever. I needed to just reach out to someone and it happened to be him who's the king of all of this, these things. And that guy replied and that helps. So no matter how big somebody is, you have a shot you know, but there are also people without 2 million followers that are going to do the same thing for you. And that just goes back to our point, right? The importance of mm -hmm. reaching out to people, the importance of talking to people. What a beautiful thing. I mean, before somebody like that would have only really have been available to you through a book. Mm -hmm. And at that, a hardcover or paperback book, mm -hmm. right? Not a YouTube video, not an not a podcast, not a blog, not a tweet away. Mm -hmm. And I think that's so powerful. Like these people are now just a tweet or a DM away. Yeah. And that's really, I think, democratized a lot of opportunities for people yeah. and can open up opportunities for just everyone instead of just a select few. A hundred percent. And if it wasn't for a piece of content that I put published on like the five reasons why you need to hire a social media manager, I would have never gotten this brand NeoCell, which I posted on Facebook of all platforms. The director of marketing reached out to me, who I hadn't talked to in 11 years, and asked me to come in for a meeting. And because of NeoCell, we were able to really hone in our skills, develop our positioning for consumer packaged goods in the natural product space, and then now kind of blow up. And now we're still working with them on other brands. But it's because I put out a piece of content and I wasn't worried about who's going to see it or if my, you know, it was on my personal Facebook. So I wasn't like, everybody's like, oh, should I put my business stuff with my personal? It's like, yes. Because that's like, I don't know, if you get to a certain extent, part like it's all kind of the same you don't want to like filter yourself you know what uh, i love about what just happened i just realized this right now we haven't told anybody about blue light media <laughs> or what it is you actually do and i'll tell you one of the most beautiful things apart about that is you do not define yourself by your work mm, uh, do you know what i mean that. i am working i mean on that. you mm -hmm. but i mean but i think that's a really important thing because tomorrow you could be doing anything or everything do you know what I mean? Like mm -hmm. this could be one stop in that journey. But I think so many times we get so caught up in our identity is our employment. Mm -hmm. 
Do you know what I mean? I'm this, I'm that. But really, we are all so much more than that. And being able to see yourself for so much more allows you to be reflective, see your qualities for what they are, that allows you to build out businesses like the one that you've built. (laughs) And so I love that. Like, I've actually never kind of made, and this is what I love about our conversations, which is why it's important to hang out with people like that, like you were saying, because every time we sit down and have a conversation, we have a new epiphany. And this was like, literally, this was now just recorded live. Tell us about Blue Light Media, (laughs) what your niche is, what you guys do, and how you help people. Blue Light Media is a digital marketing and advertising agency that works with consumer packaged goods in the natural product space. And we're also expanding in New York for luxury, but that's that's a different podcast. But really, we handle most things end-to-end. So we'll do social media strategy, we'll create content, we'll do influencer marketing, paid media management, uh, email, landing page design, that type of thing for our partners. And we really end up being an extension of their marketing department. When people, I kind of joke about this, but I mean this from the very bottom of my heart. When people ask what I do for a living, I say I do whatever I can to make the people around me better. And that manifests itself through the employees that we have, through the clients that we have. Like literally I've structured some of our partners, like how they're doing their marketing meetings every week or whatever it is. Like I've structured that because my goal is to make everybody around me better, the people that I come in contact with. And so that's what we do at Blue Light Media. And to your point, you're right. I'm slowly getting over the fact that Blue Light Media, even though it's an extension of who I am, it's not who I am. And who I actually am is my message, my principles, and my values. And no matter what medium I'm in, whether it's in Blue Light Media, on Instagram, through a book that I'm putting out, or dude, if I'm at the line at McDonald's, and I guess I just let out that I eat at McDonald's sometimes, you can you can do that. People always say that like, yeah, when I make a million dollars, I'm really going to give back. But the fact of the matter is you have to give back on the way up. You know what I mean? And the more that you do that, the stronger your foundations are going to be, you know, because it's how you make people feel and how you impact people that it's going to move you forward emotionally and even in your business or personal life, whatever it might be, you know, not necessarily the things that you attain or the next client that you get. And I love that. You know, on um, one of the previous episodes, I interviewed um, Jim Maroos. And one of the things that, you know, I'm like obsessed with this line, but he says that change is happening faster than ever before, yet it will never happen this slowly again. Mm. And I think one of the reasons what you just highlighted about being driven by your values, your purpose, and the people around you is so important is because industries are changing so rapidly. Mm -hmm. That if you are tied to, or if your identity and who you are is tied to a role, that role could be gone tomorrow. Mm-hmm. And I think we're seeing a lot of people struggle with that. Like that role is gone. Who am I now? Yeah. You know, whereas when you are driven by your values and like, you know, things that matter to you, tomorrow you can adapt that to anything you want. And sure. I think that's a really powerful concept. Sure. I did want to bring up something if you don't mind. Yeah. Because we were talking about that ma- mantra and I was like, I don't usually say that the mantra to other people. I just say it to myself. Which mantra? The one, the the affirmation I tell myself Got every it. morning. But for whatever reason, I feel like it's important to kind of drive this home too because overall, like what what I would really love for the listener to get out of this is that self-love is really everything. And you have to focus on yourself so that you can give to other people. You know what I mean? Your car's not going to drive anywhere if your tank is empty, right? The mantra is actually, um, I'm the leader of a million-dollar company that brings out the best in the people we work with, each other, and our partners. And I bring wealth and knowledge, experience, and finance to myself and everyone around me. And I am successful because I work hard. I am a fighter and I am so blessed. Thank you, God, for the success. <laughs> Sorry, I got like kind of emotional about that. But it's like, I'll repeat that to myself like 30 times every single day. And it sounds really cheesy, but how you speak to yourself is the is 
is the most important language that you're ever going to learn. I haven't said in three years that I'm tired. And I'll just keep working. It's absolutely true. Those are affirmations to yourself. Speak to yourself with kindness and love. You know, is, is really the biggest thing that I hope that people will get through this whole thing, you know, which we didn't really talk about too much. But all of it is about self-reflection and finding a way to, your, to love yourself. And once you do that, the whole world opens up. Absolutely. You know, one of my colleagues, Beth Holland, before when I used to I remember work. Beth. You remember Beth? Uh-huh. Yeah. Beth always used to say words matter. Mm-hmm. And you have a lot of those ways in which you reframe words. Do you want to share what some of them are? Um, yeah. So I think the biggest thing is understanding exactly who you're talking to. So to your point, you want to speak to one person. And this is like super tactical, but it's not just about Instagram quotes, but it's about who you're talking to in the room. And you're also saying that that doesn't just mean speaking to other people. Sometimes that means speaking to yourself. And speaking to yourself, 100%. It's like Thumper's mom, right? If you don't have anything nice to say, don't say it at all. And it's 100% true. If you're speaking to other people, you have to find a way to speak at their level and speak in a way that they're actually going to understand you. You could be full of knowledge, but if you try to flex that in a weird way to somebody else, they might actually take that in the wrong way and it's going to go over their head and you don't connect. And the same way for yourself, when you're looking at yourself and, you know, when you're looking at yourself and the things that you say to yourself, if it, you know, it's so, it breaks down to something so almost rudimentary where it's like, if you tell yourself you're not good enough, you're right. But if you tell yourself that you're worthy and that's hard to do, you're also right. You know what I mean? And you got to find a way, even if it's a little thing that you're proud of every single day, like, man, I'm really excited that I got to the gym at five. I'm really excited that I cooked that meal. Something, some small thing to just build upon like that love for yourself over time will turn into something huge. Because the only confidence that you're ever really going to get is how you look at yourself and not really from the affirmations of other people. That's just what it is. You know what I mean? So- I and I love if, that part that you highlight about what are you proud of about yourself? Yeah. You know, and that doesn't have to be something, re- I mean, it can be something really big, but just the really little things like, wow, I'm so proud of how I just spoke to that person. Yeah. I'm so proud that I just finished that email that I needed to send mm-hmm. off. You know, it can be something as small as that. Yeah. Yeah. So I don't know if that answered your question. No, definitely. But, yeah. yeah. But I, I mean, absolutely. Yeah, no, because I think that's a really big part of, again, when you talk about that transition through all the different things you've been through, I think that self-love is, you know, not just like, oh yeah, let me love myself. Like, what does that even mean? But you really have a lot of strategies, I think, that you implement Mm -hmm. that allow you to make that really actionable. Yeah. And I think people are going to get that out of the book. Yeah, I hope so. That'd be great. Yeah, absolutely. All right. So if you had one final piece of advice, I mean, your Instagram is just full of them, but if you had to choose one last piece of advice to share with the audience, what would that be? Other than give back on your way up, when you get your blessing, share it with other people. Wait, say that again. You like said that so fast. It was Uh, amazing. Say it again. Other than give back on your way up. Give back on your way (laughs) up. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. So other than that, when you get those blessings, share them with other people. J. Cole, again, says something about along the lines of like, what good is first class if my friends can't sit with me? You know what I mean? Like, I love that. It's true, man. Because you could be doing the, the, what on the surface could be the dumbest thing. Uh, my example would be with my friend Bree. We like went out and drank one time and we like walked, we couldn't walk through a Jack in the Box drive through. So we ordered an Uber as we're standing right there just so that we could do it. And honestly, if I was by myself, that would have been pretty bad, like pretty pathetic. But the experience and just like how fun it was in that moment with that person was like incredible, right? And so, like, my point is this is like, Life with material things is whatever. 
if you can share that with other people, that's what really makes it exciting. That's what brings joy is just connection with other people all the time in one way or another. And you can do that through social media. You can connect with new people. You can do that. You know, you can do that in the line at Starbucks. All of those things, man, find connection in people. And I guess that's the message. Find connection with people because it's really the people that you surround yourself with shapes the experience of your life. So if people want to be able to hear this daily, learn more from you, see more from you, where can they go? <laughs> um, they can find me on Instagram is the easiest way right now, at Mick, M-I-Q-K. Um, Twitter is also there, but I've been more active on Instagram. Um, but really any social platform with M-I-Q-K is the place Fantastic. to go. Oh my God, thank you so much. I'm so glad we were able to do this. We've been talking about this me for too. like, I think years. <laughs> I was supposed to have you on my podcast, but we still have to do that now. We so. will still do that as well. All right. Well, thank you so much, Mikhail, for being here and sharing everything that you did. Mm. And I am so excited to share this out with everybody else. Me too. This is amazing. Thank you, Saba. You're welcome. 